everyday life. Your normal at any moment. This event is unprecedented. Can be taken away. The life has just changed forever. Seemingly lost. We lost our house. We don't know what to do. I mean, we're stuck. And all that matters is getting back. We're going to bounce back. Back to normal. Back into their normal lives. We're here to help you get back. To bring their lives back to normalcy. This is Recovery Radio with Steve Gallington. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. This is Steve Gallington, and the song you just heard was an excerpt from a tune called Donza del Sol, and uh, the person who was playing so well on the guitar there is a gentleman named Mark Garvin, M-A-R-C-G-A-R-V-I-N.com is his, is his, uh, is his website, and uh, he is a local musician, classical guitarist, jazz guitarist. He's played with the Houston Symphony several times, and he also... Uh, teaches classes in guitar and has recitals and so forth. So if you want to hear more of his work, um, you can uh, tune into uh, or go see markgarvin.com, M-A-R-C-G-A-R-V-I-N. And uh, not only is Mark a musical guest on the show, he's also going to be one of my guests on the show here coming up this fall. So uh, go out, uh, check out his website, and, uh, you know, he's a great person to learn guitar from. You know, when I go through... I, I play a little bit of guitar myself, but uh, when I listen to him, I think, ah, you know what? I probably need more lessons at this point. So um, anyway, if you want to get a hold of the show, 832-429-6016 is the number. If you're my age, you can leave me a voicemail. If you're my kid's age, you can leave me a text, um, and I get that right away. Uh, also, you can send me an email, recoveryradiohouston at gmail.com. Uh, remember that we are uh, having a contest, an ongoing contest, or just discussion of your daily affirmation. So if you want to just give me a call and leave me what your daily affirmation is, that would be awesome. So as I said before the break, uh, my guest today is Gerardo Olivo. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. Glad to be here. Thanks and so uh, I've known uh, Gerardo, gosh, uh, it's been like three years, I guess, I, or mm-hmm. so, you know. And uh, so um, let's get a little bit of a background on you, first of all. How long have you been in the Houston area? So I'm originally from Houston. Uh, so a native. I'm eating. Yes. Last last week I talked to, uh, when I talked to Robert, he's a native of Austin. And he's like, yeah, native Texans were very rare. But, <laughs> you know, there you go. Especially in Houston, it seems sometimes. So, you know, born and raised in Houston. Yeah, born and raised in Houston uh, from the southwest part in Richmond, Rosenberg, which used to be a small town. Now it's, you know, like a growing a lot. Um, but my family's from here. I grew up here and uh, moved out of state for several years after okay. college. Went to yeah. A&M. In Aggie, huh? In Aggie, okay. yeah. So what did you study at a So I studied journalism. Okay, uh, cool. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I knew I loved to write, yeah. and so I picked journalism kind of as a de facto mm-hmm. type major. I wasn't sure what I really at all, um, but that aligned closest to what I like. So, but the, you know, it's funny because I've never done journalism. You never done journalism? <laughs> well, you know, we can talk yeah. about we can talk about that, right? You know, yeah. so my other my other radio show I'm on, I do. Uh, I help produce the People's News on KPFT. So, if you want another job that doesn't pay any money, then you know I can I can help you out with that. There you go. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> so, um, so when you went, uh, what what did you do when you went out of town? You were out of town for a few years. Where'd yeah. You go? So, uh, my first job out of college, I am was very involved in politics and political organizing. Okay. So I come from my family. Uh, I grew up uh, with a family that was very involved in community organizing oh, and, and politics and public service. So, I mean, I grew up going to, you know, LULAC meetings, LULAC, right. yeah, yeah. You know, 
League of United Latin American Citizens. Right. My parents were very involved with that. Um, rallies, things of that nature. I just remember, like, I'd be a little kid and I'd be sleeping on, um, you know, at a rally or there's like some kind of community organizing meeting. I'd be sleeping on the chairs in the right. back, you know, after school or whatever, after the parents had a meeting. But that's how I grew up. I and mean, okay. as a kid, you don't think anything of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, um, but I really had a passion for it, so I, I uh, signed up for a campaign training program called Participation 2000. Okay. Which is based out of Washington, D.C. All right. And So was this, was this in 2000? This no. was actually right, and it's so funny because uh, I just aged myself. No. <laughs> it's, 28, it's 2018. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, but, yeah, so it was a group around for several years. I think they still call it Part 2, Participation 2000. Yeah, okay. The they get. Yeah, yeah. And what they do is they get college graduates, and they basically you give your labor, and they give you experience and training. So right. they send you to D.C., you get trained by. That helps you helps uh, you over that dilemma of that, you know, I've got a degree, but I don't have experience. Exactly, experience. yeah. And if yeah. you really want to go into politics and get a job in politics, or you're still, still wasn't sure which way yeah. I was going to go, but did the program. It's a week in D.C. You get trained by national political consultants. Very okay. intense. Yeah. Then they pick, they send you somewhere. So they sent me to, and you don't have a say in the matter, uh, yeah. to Indianapolis. Okay. So Where your people are or not. <laughs> not really. Not so much. <laughs> not really. They also call Indianapolis Naptown. Okay. But I think it's, it's changed a lot. But anyway, back then I went, it was um, a graduate. This was 1999. Okay, yeah. And so uh, – Got on a plane, went to Indiana, didn't know a soul. Wow. I worked on the last three months of a guy named Bart Peterson who was running for mayor. Okay. He's a former chief of staff to Evan Bayh, who was governor yeah, of Indiana. Yeah. Bart, really good dude. Uh, liked the man. Uh, smart. I believed in what he was doing. And so what I did was uh, I didn't really have a role for me. Mm-hmm. So I made up my own role. So I started doing like a bilingual get out the vote with the Latinos wow, that lived fantastic. in Indianapolis. Yeah. And really had success with that. Got a little budget for it, and uh, they liked what I did, and so he offered me. I didn't plan on staying there, but he offered yeah. me a job after he won. And uh, well, he did win, so successful campaign. You know, successful we were, campaign, man. We were talking a little bit about you know my my opportunity where I met Paul Begala, and uh, yeah, you know, and and you know one of the things that um, uh, you know James Carville, and one of the things I I got a chance to talk to him. I was flying on the plane with him, and uh, and he said. Um, I said, what's the one thing that you can do to have the biggest effect on politics? And mm-hmm. he, he actually said two things. But the first thing he came out with, didn't bat an eye and said, you need to run for office. There you go. You know, because that's going to, you're going to have the most impact there. And he said, the other thing is you never, ever give up. He mm-hmm. said, uh, Paul and I worked on campaigns like a dozen failed campaigns before they finally got the winner in Clinton, uh, Clinton Gore, you know, and, and that was, that was the thing. Um, and, uh, you know that I'm glad that you worked on a winning campaign because I was actually I was actually on a plane the night, uh, uh, the election night on 2000, 2000, on a plane from Houston up to Chicago mm-hmm. area, mm-hmm. and when I got on the plane, Al Gore had buttoned it up, and when I got off the plane, it was up in the air again. I ended up not checking into my hotel until like four o'clock in the morning. Oh I was just driving in the rental car listening to the radio, and it's like I cannot believe that this is happening so you know I'm, I'm glad that there were some bright spots in the 2000 election because i was like man that was you know and i i you know prior to 2016 that was like i can't believe that we got that low as a country and in our election system it was gamed like that and then this happened so it kind of reset you know totally <laughs> man no yeah it was, it was pretty pretty wild times man. so you were there for a few years and then uh, ended up what brought you back to houston then 
Well, so after Indiana, I worked for the mayor. I did spe- I did public and international relations for the mayor. So it was cool. pretty pretty intense job. Just graduating right out of college, graduating right out of college. I think if I did it again, I'd, I'd take something a little bit more chill. Right. Kind of ease my way into it. But anyway, it was a neat experience. Were you always like in catastrophe mode? Seemed like all the time. Uh, well, it was always very much like you just really had to be on point, and you know, we're out in public all the time, we're in private meetings, yeah. and. There's, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, um, a lot of hours and a lot of pressure. A lot of hours, a lot of pressure. And not very much money, I, I imagine. Well, I mean, you're just right out of college. It's a government job. Yeah, so right, okay. You get paid a ton. <laughs> um, but that's not why you do it, right? You do yeah. it just for you believe in a passion, you believe in a cause, whatever, you believe in the candidate. And I did. Um, but I stayed there for about a year, and then I moved to um, Washington, D.C. Oh, cool. And tried that out. And so I ended up working for a law firm on Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Man, that was a really interesting experience. I was thinking of going to law school, still very much focused on politics as a as a career path. Uh, and the law firm I worked at um, is a boutique law firm, but we're ranked top ten in the nation for campaign finance and election law. Really? Okay. Yes. So we represented the DNC yeah. and MoveOn.org. Ah, okay. And a bunch of other cool. folks. Yeah. And so I really got to get kind of like an eagle's eye view into kind of the machinations of national democratic politics. It's very interesting. Of course, I believed in everything that we were doing. Um, but we really, you know, we set up all kinds of organizations and um, different type of entities. We consulted a lot of uh, candidates running for office. Donors, all right. We're going to have to take a break now. So when we get back, let's talk more about that. Sure. After this break. So stay with us. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. This is Steve Gallington, and the song you just heard was called Coming Home by Katherine Jacobs. Uh, actually, she's performing the song, but um, did not write it. The gentleman who wrote it actually was writing about his experiences in coming home after Hurricane Harvey, after evacuating for Hurricane Harvey, and so that's what it's about. Uh, Katherine Jacobs, as you've heard, is a, is a great vocalist and musician. Uh, she's also a fantastic photographer. She has... Uh, she has a, a, a studio, and she does portrait photography and that type of thing. And then her day job is she actually helps produce TV uh, down here in Houston. So if you're interested in finding out more about her, you can go to her website. We all have websites these days. It's catjaddy.com. Hmm. That's C-A-T-J-A-D-D-Y.com is her website. And that's also her handle on SoundCloud, too. So if you want to hear more of her music, you can hear more of her music there. And... Uh, you know, I, I talked to you earlier about, um, about uh, well, no, I didn't actually, that uh, the next musical guest coming up is uh, Sugar Joyco. And actually, if you see Sugar Joyco, you normally see Catherine's there too because she's taking pictures of the concert and stuff like that. So got a chance to go see them uh, or see her play at uh, an event at uh, the House of Blues last week or two weeks ago. And um, it was fantastic. So it was good seeing both of them again. So once again, 832-429-6016 is the number. And Recovery Radio Houston, all mashed together at gmail.com is the email address. So, uh, you know, drop me an email, leave me a voicemail message. Let me know that you're out there. You know, I know that a lot of people listen. I get a lot of feedback from folks uh, from the phone line and also with emails and then people finding me on the street and, you know, giving me commentary on the uh, on the program. You can do that, too. I love listening to uh, everybody who's out there. And I've actually started to accumulate a few fans, which is kind of weird. I've never had that before. So, um I am continuing here with uh, with Geraldo Olivo, so uh, welcome back. And uh, we were talking about your time in D.C. with the law firm, uh, and then uh, so you did that for how long? Oh, 
like three and a half years. Wow. Uh huh. About three in, and a half in years DC. in DC. So you know, there's a there's a capital. You're looking at the capital from the mall. It's right on the right hand side at Capital South Metro. Wow. Stop. Yeah. So right there, man. So uh, an expensive place to live, though, right? Very expensive place. <laughs> to. I think we're paying like two fifty just for my parking spot. Wow. Lived yeah. in Woodley Park uh, okay. for a bit. Also lived in Alexandria. Yeah. Both really nice spots. But I love Washington, D.C., man. It's, it's uh, got such a nice energy. I, I lived there when I was in junior high to high school. I lived in Vienna, Virginia. My dad was the same. Ah, that's yeah. right, man. I remember you yeah, told me that. Yeah. So That's cool. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I really love the city. It's really neat. So Yeah. So I was there for three and a half years and uh, decided not to go to law school. Um and uh, but that's that a my, good choice. We have too many lawyers out there. Yeah, I know. But that you know that experience here, man. Uh, I really you know I started doing volunteer work at a bunch of theaters. Okay. And just like you know like usher, mm-hmm. just whatever they needed because I just I love the theater so much. I took some playwriting classes. Okay. And my only claim to fame that I only have one claim to fame, which is I was an extra on the HBO show The Wire. Really? Yes. Awesome. Now I am. <laughs> One of my coworkers, as we speak, is like, I'm going to watch every episode of The Wire until yeah, I find. Isolate it out. Yeah, right. For th- I'm in one episode. I'm in a bar. I have a ponytail. That's when I had hair. Okay. Hair's gone, <laughs> unfortunately, due to Mother Nature. You still have hair. Come on. A little bit of hair. A yeah. little bit of hair. A little bit of hair. Um, but I'm in a bar. I'm having a drink. I'm shooting pool. And um, it was really cool, man. So, yeah. That's my claim to fame from Washington, D.C. And I ended up writing a play about my experience in D.C. It's called The Bullfighter. Okay. It's a psychological political thriller um, that had a staged reading in Austin and Houston and a studio production in Austin based on the underpinnings of the work that I did. Of course, I mean, I changed. Changed the names of the change. Changed the names. I mean. I mean, they're probably, I mean, NSA could be listening right now. We don't yeah, know. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Well, they, you know, just generally assume that they that's are. Just right? yeah. my, that's just my delusions of grandeur. That's uh, all. <laughs> yeah. Always said, you know. No one really cares. No, oh, I'm kidding. Yeah. But it was neat to write the play about that experience. I think yeah. if anything else, it was just kind of an inside view of all that money flowing in and out, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, all that money coming in, all that influence and like, okay, yeah. what's going, you know, how, how, how is it, uh, what's how's it being you know how are the operations going but the bottom line is you're going to fight for who you want to fight for and i right. fought for the democrats mm-hmm. and still do yeah um so it was neat man it was a really cool experience and then after that uh piddled around a bit and moved back to texas where i've been so for the past decade or so yeah cool and so um you know uh well what was the what was really the draw to bring you back into houston again Oh, really, man? Just uh, my family. Uh, my family's from here. And, so uh, your family, so you've got parents. I mean, you have any siblings? Yeah, I have my mom and dad are here. My brother's here. I have okay. one older brother. So I'm real close to my family. And, um, you know, so I came back, and it was an adjustment coming back. But, yeah. you know, I'm real grateful that right now I have you just a You kind of feel like life. you're at the center of everything when you're in D.C. You know, there was that kind of feeling that you were kind of in the, you know, in that, in that – uh, even though Houston is a big, vibrant city and mm-hmm. stuff, it's definitely not the same. You know? Yeah, it's definitely uh, you can get, get like a definitely a power trip or ego and all that. And I was definitely, you know, that happened to me. Um, I didn't have any power per se. I mean, mm-hmm. I filed reports for yeah, a law firm, right, yeah. but we interacted with a bunch of powerful people. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, so it was. Um, so people talk about people talk about the 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 Beltway bubble, the inside the Beltway bubble. Mm-hmm. Did you experience? Did you find it to be that way? That there was a certain amount of, even though you felt like you were in the center of everything, 
that you were still isolated from a lot of what was really going on? Uh, I think, I think in a way, man, I think, I mean, part of it too, is just like, you know, how you live your, your daily life. And I always try to get out and do stuff at different parts of DC. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I volunteered at an immigrant center, yeah. uh, you know, a center that would help immigrants in a city. And I did like, um, it was some, I did some cool stuff, man. Like I would teach, uh, folks how to read and write in oh, English, like literacy, yeah. uh, get, helping them get their GEDs. But I would use poetry. And mm -hmm. other cool story like Latino focused stories to read from and teach, man, that was something I really loved Neat. to do. Yeah. So doing stuff like that, I think I stay connected to, to the kind of reality of life. But yeah, you're in there, and then all your client stuff are law. You know, they're on the front page of the Washington Post. Yeah. All this stuff, so you get right. like this rush yeah. from that, yeah. like, oh man, I'm really doing something. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, you know, uh, it's probably what you're reading. You know, teaching immigrants to read was probably, <laughs> you know, <laughs> had more of an impact. Then, you know, you know, I, I, well, that's the thing, too. I mean, I like one on one interaction. And that's the other part, too. You know, I guess in any, I guess, institution, whether it's politics or business mm -hmm. or whatever, that you're going to have, uh, you know, you're going to be disconnected just as I mean, I think as a rule from the outer society, because mm -hmm. you're just in, in these institutions. But uh, it was cool, man. Uh, we did a lot of good. I thought we did a lot of good. And um, like some of the, the attorneys I worked for, they were very involved in the recount. You know, so oh, we're talking wow. back in yeah. 2000. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys I worked for was on the front page of the New York Times. Uh, uh, the Democratic attorneys fighting yeah. for Al Gore. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Man. Well, that's great. So, all right, we are uh, done with this segment and we'll move on. We'll finally get around to talking a little bit about Hurricane Harvey and other things after this. I wonder what we're here for. Everyone around just moves so fast. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Uh, this is Steve Yallington. I'm here with uh, Geraldo Olivo. And the song you just heard was Motionless, which is off of the album called Motionless by Sugar Joyco. Uh, she's a local musician. Her claim to fame is, aside from I knew her when she released her first album back in the day, um, but uh, she was up on Facebook. She did free concerts for uh, kids that were uh, displaced to Hurricane Harvey. So she went down to the George R. Brown Convention Center and did concerts and dance parties, and she's just got a real heart uh, and is a, a fantastic musician. She's also very, very young. Uh, I didn't realize that. She was a guest on the show. But uh, she her first, when she started college, was uh, when Katrina uh, happened, which was 2005. So it's like that's when she started college. It's like, okay, gosh, uh, I, I am old. But being old is better than the alternative. So um, anyway, that was called Motionless uh, from Sugar Joyco. If you're interested in... Uh, hearing more of her stuff, you can go to her website. It's Sugar Joyco, Sugar Like the Sweetener, S-U-G-A-R, and Joyco, which was her nickname when she was in Japan doing music for video games, which is pretty cool, J-O-I-K-O. So SugarJoyco.com is her website. Um, she does concerts. You can find out concerts out there. She recently played at the uh, House of Blues. And uh, she's also her day job, and I did that air quotes because for musicians, day jobs quite often are at night as well. She plays keyboard over at uh, Pete's Dueling Piano Bar for Tuesdays through mm. Sundays, I think. So, so if you want to go hear her and actually sing along, she'll uh, you know she'll let you do that. So uh, uh, that's uh, that's Sugar Joyco. So uh, once again, one more time, eight three two four two nine six zero one six is the phone number. RecoveryRadioHouston at gmail .com. I also want to do a shout out there to say that uh, we are working on, uh, and when I say we, me and James Simpson, the host of uh, What's on Tap Radio. We are working on what we're calling uh, the brew cycle, 
And so it's going to be five uh, breweries, uh, microbreweries or craft breweries uh, in downtown Houston or midtown Houston. And we're going to bicycle ride between them and have stops to go on. So mm. that's going to come up as soon as it starts getting cooler in the in the fall. We're going to go ahead and plan that. So uh, look for more details on that on this show. And uh, what it's also driving me to kind of uh, actually come up with a logo for the show so I can have something to put on the T-shirt. So, uh, you know, and if you have any input for that, let me know. Recovery Radio uh, uh, and figure out how to make that work. Um, so uh, we talked a bit about wh- where you were and, and how you ended up, uh, you know, leaving Houston and coming back to Houston and some really interesting stuff there. So um, where were you when uh, Hurricane Harvey came through and how did it affect you? Yeah, so Hurricane Harvey, I um, I moved into Montrose about a year ago. And so I was living in Montrose when Hurricane Harvey came. And, you know, I was just very, very fortunate and, you know, very lucky uh, that in, in my neighborhood, you know, uh, we did not experience any flooding. Any flooding at all. Wow. Very, very fortunate. Um, that first night of the storm, uh, I think our street, uh, it got some water and, and flooded a bit. But then it, like, it was very strange. It was very yeah. kind of surreal because then the water went down on our street. We were totally dry. And there's just mass chaos, devastation, and destruction all around me. So right. it was very, uh, you know, different uh, parts of town it's, flooded. It's and, terrible. Yeah, man. I mean, and, and the thing that you know, uh, the well, I've experienced several hurricanes since I've been down here in Houston. Uh, the one that kind of got my house down in Laporte was Hurricane Ike back in 2008. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that struck me about that is my whole neighborhood flooded, but there were houses in the neighborhood that didn't get any flooding. You know, and you just you couldn't tell by looking at them that the elevation was just enough or sure. however it was. And so, you know, a hurricane comes through, you'd expect mass flooding across the board, and that does happen, but it's also pretty localized. So uh, with Harvey, ended up with a lot of rain, uh, a lot of flooding uh, out on the west side of town, a lot of places flooded there. Um, and I, well, last week when I talked to Robert Williams, you know, down in Brazoria County, which didn't get a lot of attention uh, because of Houston, uh, they got the they got the all the water that eventually mm-hmm. ran off of Houston, and uh, he's actually representing a, a neighborhood of people that are down near the uh, Phillips sixty six plant down mm-hmm. there. Okay. And it turned out they diverted water away from the plant and into the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So that was bad enough. But then uh, they had four, three, four feet of water in the neighborhood for twelve days before they let it drain out. Man. And so you know, you, you just don't know. And so that that's the part that's gets kind of scary. So you stayed dry. So I, I guess you didn't evacuate or anything. You just rode out the storm. Yeah, I just rode out the storm. Didn't evacuate. Um, you know, the, the, I guess the good thing about that storm, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of other stories about that. If you know you weren't severely affected, like we were not affected in terms of like any flooding. Mm-hmm. Very fortunate. Uh, you know, I got to meet a bunch of my neighbors. Um, right. Uh, one of my neighbors had to get together, and so that was really nice to meet. You know. You know, usually neighbor. I don't know in my experience, it's it's hard to meet your neighbors or just oh, yeah. have conversations with people that live, at, you know, in your surrounding couple of blocks. So, well, yeah, something that you know, like that trauma or or a, an event like that brings people together in Houston. You know, I think you know everybody always says it's kind of a cliche that you know diversity is our strength. Our diversity, we're a very diverse city, mm-hmm. and I think that strength really comes out during things like this uh, because people, you know, you hear the stories about folks looting and things like that, but. For every one story you hear about that, you hear about five people that, you know, got an inflatable air mattress and waited out and helped people out of their homes and stuff. So, I mean, yeah. you know, I think it's really a, it's a very positive thing, very encouraging thing for me uh, to see that. And uh, yeah, yeah for, for me as well, man, the, um, the one thing that I got out of that is that I've always felt this too uh, deep down is that, you know, and there's always to me, it's just a lot more goodness 
and people and in the world and, and whatever bad stuff is going yeah. on. And yeah. um, there's always going to be a few people on, on that mm. end of the spectrum that'll take advantage of everything. But you know, that's right. really a very small number of people. When you look at it, most people are, you know, they realize that they can't do it alone. They gotta, they gotta do help out there as well. So yeah, man, our common, our common humanity. And, uh, I was just very proud of being from, from Houston with, yeah. the, with everything that happened and the way, uh, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of devastation and the effects are still here. I mean, it's very cataclysmic, a cladic, yeah, that's why I, yeah. I mean, it's my way I see it as a cataclysmic event yeah, and with it, global it, and it climate takes, change. It takes months and months. And, the, to, you yeah, know, there's years. so many different floodings and fires and stuff all over the country and the world uh, that it really is, uh, it is scary. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, for Houston and what happened with Hurricane Harvey, uh, you know, I'm very, I feel, again, thank God um, I was all right. Mm-hmm. My family was okay. Uh, I thought my... Uh, brother's house might get flooded out in richmond but it turned out or turned out okay he didn't oh, get flooded great. um but i have lots of friends and, and other people that i know that um their houses were severely flooded yeah that's a big and reset dealing, button. and uh finding places to live and uh you know just the psychological like you said the trauma the stress of that and so uh i'm just grateful that uh where i stayed was okay so um one in the introduction of you i did mention that uh how we met was in a 12-step program mm-hmm. And uh, kind of talked about the difference between the 12-step program and kind of what we're doing here on the show. But did you find that, you know, kind of the, the tools you learned uh, in that process, did that help you process the, the trauma that was Hurricane Harvey? Oh, totally, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have, I'm grateful for being in a 12-step program. Uh, and, yeah, if I didn't have those tools, I think it would have been a lot harder. And, then I, and for me, it's just it's processing my feelings yeah. and then talking about And giving yourself permission to process your feelings. Yeah, Absolutely. giving myself permission. And the other part, too, is that I'm worth uh, taking time to take care yeah. of myself, yeah. that actually I have value as a human being and that I'm worth processing and reaching out to people because ultimately, you know, we, need, we all need help. We yeah. need each other. I can't go through this life alone. I've tried that before. It doesn't work. And yeah. uh, I need help. We all need help. So process it. Calling my friends, calling my family, getting that support, checking in on people, try, you know, um, doing that kind of stuff uh, really just, you know, psychologically, emotionally, because, again, there was no physical danger. But this is survivor's, survivor's guilt, guilt, you know, yeah. feeling like, well, man. Well, and, and being, you know, being networked together before something like this happens, and it's through the 12-step program, you're in a network now. Which oh, yeah. That's, that, oh, that's a huge lifesaver. I mean, it's like um, – if you're going through anything hard in your life, whether you know it's a hurricane or uh, a job loss or yeah. whatever it might be, that um, a relationship issue, whatever that you know, with a 12-step program and you work your program, you stay active in it. Um, you have a strong, you know, strong group of people that you can always, uh, and it's happened for me over and over and over again. I can call at any right. time. So put, that, a, put a bookmark in that. They're there we'll for me. Talk about that more after the break. <laughs> Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Uh, this is Steve Gallington, and that was Eye Upon the Mountain by Catherine Jacobs once again. Once again, catjaddy.com, C-A-T-J-A-D-D-Y.com. All right, so we were just gotten started in talking. Uh, I'm here with uh, Gerardo Olivo. Uh, we, were, we were talking a bit about, you know, how active participation in a 12-step program kind of helped you go through the trauma that was Hurricane Harvey. And one of the things I really got hung up on early on in the program was uh, reading a statement that said, the great thing about recovery is that it goes on forever. Mm. And I hated that. I wanted just to be cured. Yeah. And, you know, what I learned through 
doing the show and through all this type of stuff and just recovery kind of outside of the, you know, just good things to do outside of the 12-step program is that these are things that you do every single day. It's just it, they're, you're really in that 12-step program. You're getting taught about good mental exercises to kind of get you past the, the daily things in life that just kind of knock you back, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that for me, and, I, you know, I wanted to get you to kind of comment on this too, is that a lot of it is, is, is a measurement of self-worth. For so long, I felt worthless mm-hmm. in my previous relationships. Uh, you know, it gets reflected in things like Hurricane Harvey where you feel helpless uh, because there's nothing you can do to mm-hmm. help somebody. Um, and then that kind of plays into this lack of self-worth. Mm-hmm. And that really a measure of my strength of my recovery is really a measure of my self-worth. And as you said earlier, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I'm worth it. You know, it's yes. worth doing things for me. Be self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're taking care of yourself, that's selfish. Mm-hmm. I certainly got fed that early sure, on. man. You know, in my relationship, when I started doing some self-care, there was like, oh, you're being so selfish. It's like, oh, man. So, and for me, it's like, well, how do you find that line between self-care and selfishness? And for me, it's a lot farther to the right. It's a lot you know, I have a long way to go still sure, in order man. to get there. And I think most people are like that. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Is that, is that something that, that you've noticed as well? Yeah, man, I, you know, I had really no concept or idea of, you know, like self-care sure. or like that I could really enjoy, um, you know, they say this in recovery a lot, right? A free, happy, and joyous life. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of myself was like, well, if I'm in pain and I'm suffering, and I don't feel good, but I'm fighting for something I believe in, whether it's a cause or yeah. a relationship, yeah. then that's I'm going to earn my value. And that's really based on shame yeah. for yeah. me. And oh, so, yeah. you know, I think at the core of it, you know, for me is, okay, if, you know, shame is a very, uh, you know, painful thing. And I think most people on the planet, you know, just because we're human, mm-hmm. experience some kind of shame and some form or fashion, some more than others, Yeah, you know, for whatever growing up experience, growing up experiences you have or in adulthood. But, um, yeah. So like I, I really did not have the tools or the knowledge or the skills or like the network. Mm-hmm. And like, so with, when I say network, I mean, not from a business standpoint, of course, but like yeah. 12 step recovery community. of community of like, okay, I got people that are able to show me love in a healthy way. Yeah. You're not alone. And I'm not alone. And that's so huge, man. Mm -hmm. As human beings, you know, I think being alone, being neglected, being abandoned, abused, whatever, you know, it is, is, uh, you know, that kills, uh, you know, that's painful. Yeah. You know, know, we were, I think, made to have that community to connect with each other. So that really gave me the space to be like, okay, yes, I'm not alone now. Yeah. I can connect with these other people in a healthy way. Now, what can I do now that I feel value? Uh, people are reflecting that to me i can um yeah take care of myself so it's you know whether it's uh you know exercise or eating better just or, you know what for me man the main thing is giving myself a break yeah yeah letting yourself off the hook right having yeah. some self-compassion sure. very you know probably the hardest person on myself oh, yeah. and yeah you know it's gonna take i've made it progress i've made yeah. a lot of progress on self-compassion but i'm learning more and then oh. for me it's like okay my connection to the the God I believe in, my higher power, is that uh, you know is an unending reservoir of mercy and goodness, sure. which comes free. And so that's what I want to connect with because when I'm connecting with that, and I don't gotta like 
be better than other people to find my worth. I struggle right. with that, man. I struggle yeah. with all that stuff. I do too. I mean, I, um, I think that you know, I'll, I'll find myself, I'll wake up in the morning and have a lot of anxiety and just be upset about things. Yes. And then, true. and uh, I'll sit there. And so the, the big gift of recovery for me is that I have give myself permission to sit there and be in my feelings because, you know, how I was trained when I was a kid was just bury it. If you're angry, you can't feel anger, you know. Mm-hmm. Like two younger sisters, take care of your sisters, protect them. You're not allowed to feel angry. And so I repeated that. So I just bury it. And so left alone outside the community, I bury things. You know, to have that permission to say, okay, it's all right for me to be angry. It's all right for me to be sad. Mm-hmm. But understanding where that's coming from and not burying it right away, that's, you know, that's to me. It's like letting myself off the hook. And I've spent, I've wasted so much of my life trying to become perfect. Yes. And that, I and struggle that, with you perfectionism. Know, yes. You know, and you say, my dad used to say, uh, you know, if at first you don't succeed, destroy all evidence you ever tried, right? <laughs> all right? So rather than being seen as a failure that you would, you know, and I've had to unpack that to say, look, it's not about being perfect and that my journey through life and your journey through life are the thing. And, you know, getting it out there and processing it and so much of my recovery has been around that too. Totally, man. I think that's it. Uh, having people listen, hear your story. And a lot of times it's just, you know, people just need to be heard. Yeah. And it really just having someone that's listening, that's it. And we, yeah. you know, you don't really have to say too much other than just listening, being there. That just that really does most of it. All right. So we ran out. Of, we've run out of time. We're at the end. <laughs> so if people want to get to know you better, is there any place that I, we should you know you want them to go? Sure. I mean, so I uh, I spend my time uh, outside of work um, volunteering. I do. I make short films. I write mm-hmm. plays, and I used to publish books. Okay. So you can go if they want to see some of my short films. Uh, anyone listening, you can go to tranquiloway.com. So I'll right. spell that. Spell it out. So it's uh, so you go to www. t r a n q u i l o w a y dot com cool so tranquilo dot com you can see clips and actually full uh films uh, that i've produced um the last short film i produced was a comedy horror film uh raised twelve thousand dollars in two months on a part-time Sweet. basis to do it it was a lot of fun i had professional cast and crew shout out to all the actors my good friend robert cortez uh directed it i produced it a lot of fun really cool uh, won one or two film award, short film awards for it, which is awesome. Uh, and I love doing that stuff. Plus, check out your local comedy stages uh, for stand-up comedy because mm-hmm. uh, over the next coming year, I do plan on doing more, uh, you know, starting stand-up. Sweet. Because I love, I love me some performing. That's awesome. Well, great. Stay so, um, absolutely. Thank you for being here. Uh, you can always reach out to me at recoveryradiohouston at gmail.com. Uh, if you uh, missed any of that and you'd like to get the like to get the deets, we'll do that too. So, man, thanks a lot. Hey, thank you so much, Steve. Enjoyed it, man. And uh, and we'll uh, we'll I want to do this again soon. For we'll, sure, we'll dude. Check in again soon. Sounds so, good, man. Thanks. All right, everybody, have a great week out in front of you. And Recovery Radio will be back next week. Recovery Radio, RecoveryRadio.show, and Gallington.com are all protected by copyright laws. All the information broadcast on air and online, as well as published in both print and online, including articles, audio clips, illustrations, graphics, photographs, and videos, are protected by these copyright and other state and federal intellectual property laws. Therefore, you may not use our content in any prohibited way, 
including reproducing, publishing, transmitting, selling, rewriting, broadcasting, or posting on the internet without the expressed written permission of Recovery Radio. Prohibited use also includes publication of our material in printed or electronic brochures, newsletters, or flyers, as well as all website or email distribution. To obtain permission to use copyrighted material, email Steve Gallington at recoveryradiohouston at gmail.com. That's recoveryradiohouston at gmail.com. Thank you.